Hello, and welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast, where we'll speak with Arizona's most successful real estate professionals to better understand their business, current market conditions, team and business building strategies, successes, and challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Dwell Inspect Arizona with your host, Sean Garvey. Let's do it. Um, So today on Just Another Real Estate Podcast, I have a good friend of ours, um, Dan Weisinger with Weisinger Residential. Um, Thank you for being a part of this, Dan. Uh, We certainly appreciate having you on today. Tell me, um, you are obviously a realtor. Tell me your path to real estate. What's your story? Sure. Well, Sean, thanks again for having me on. I'm excited to do this. I've been meaning to do this for a long time. So thanks for having me on as your first guest. No, uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, my path into real estate, um, uh, I feel like, you know, unless you come from a traditional like family of realtors and you just kind of naturally went that way and makes sense. Uh, I did not, I did not grow up in uh, an entrepreneurial family. Mom is a, a retired, uh, she was a teacher and also worked for the school district. My dad was a commercial loan officer for a little over 30 something years. Um, so I grew up in a, in, a, in a great family, but just didn't have uh, that sort of entrepreneurial background. So I worked in the restaurant industry for about 12 and a half years, doing everything from bartending to managing, and most recently with uh, box restaurants. And uh, I'd always wanted to uh, get into real estate, but there was a lot of fear driving that decision to make that leap to go from, hey, I have a good salary-based job. Uh, uh, 401k health benefits to like say, Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm going to throw that all away, uh, all that cushiness <laughs> and then just no guarantees and let's see what happens. Um, but you know, I think like in anything in life, um, it's, it's so important to do something that's really fulfilling. And, um, while I still loved, uh, the relationships I built in the restaurant industry, it just wasn't something that what I, I wasn't fulfilled. Um, so, uh, one of the best decisions I ever made but uh, I had just recently got married and I, I tell my wife, Hey, you know what? I think about becoming a realtor and yeah. I'm not going to have any income. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> um, and she was totally on board. Uh, my wife oh, wow. is an entrepreneur and she's an entrepreneur at heart. So she's always been, and she's really kind of been pushing me to, to get in that space. So I, I put in my, my two weeks are really kind of like, more like 90 days. Uh, yeah. uh, I have a close relationship with uh, my my previous employer. And I did the nine-day crash course in real estate school and just kind of hit the ground running and jumped right into to real estate. And it's been, it's been an absolute blessing for my family. Yeah, I love sure. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So funny. Our, our path is similar. Um, yeah. When, when I got into home inspections, um, I was doing some project management for a fix and flip, but I, in order to start my business, I supplemented as a bartender as well. So I would do inspections, marketing activities, business building, um, learning about the craft. And then at night I was supplementing my family with, with, uh, with home inspection or sorry, with bartending. So wow. at some point I, I came out of the, the, the restaurant trades too, which I think, you know, to me personally, it, 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 um, I think everybody should work in a restaurant. Uh, at some point in their life, because I t- it teaches me so many valuable lessons about pressure and communications and and human contact. Um, but I think it helps a lot getting into business too, because it it can kind of set you apart because you can build a relationship really really fast. 
Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. Um, and it's and to be to be able to do both, that must be so challenging for you as well to uh, to to uh, do the inspection part and then also and then go to bartending while also you know raise a family. I'm sure that uh, had its own challenges as well. Um, but uh, absolutely, it just you know when I worked in the restaurant industry, um, you're between these four walls, uh, especially in management. You know, sometimes 10, 14 oh, yeah. hours a day. So it's imperative that you, uh, even if you're, you know, this person uh, adjacent to you isn't your favorite person, as I'm getting text messages here, uh, uh, but it's imperative <laughs> that you create some sort of like a cohesive work environment with that person and learn. You really have kind of to like, you have to put your ego aside. And I think that's the most important part of real estate as well. It's like, listen, in order for us to accomplish our goal here, whether it be the restaurant or in real estate, like I had to remove myself, no matter what my opinion on this person, if either it's a high opinion or low or wherever, it's it's so important to put that aside in order to accomplish whatever your specific goal is. And it's the same thing for real estate. It's, uh, uh, you know, in the very beginning, and that was a big lesson for me as well. Uh, I, I, a lot of that, I, I felt like a uh, an emotional teenager in the first like year in real estate. Because a lot of it is you're just soaking up so much information yeah. uh, uh, and it's just flying at you from all directions and you're trying your best to uh, uh, create good systems and good practices while also surround yourself by the, the quote unquote right people so you can learn yeah. as quickly as possible. And you're also trying to earn income. And yeah. so when you're going through all that process and, and wanting to make sure you're protecting yourself and your family, and then also want to earn some money, um, uh, earn a living. Um, uh, I remember the first year in real estate, I, I told my wife, I was like, I was emotional wreck that first year because <laughs> there's responsibility of like, I've got a mortgage and I've got a marriage and I've got responsibilities and uh, I might not make income for six months, which I'm just not used to. So being able to manage your own expectations while also, again, putting your ego aside to know that this is for the greater good. Uh, that was a huge lesson in that first year in real estate. That's amazing. And so did you, yeah. did you supplement? Were you, were you um, working in the restaurant and then started? No, no I didn't. License? You burned the ship and you said, this is it. Yeah. I, uh, I jumped right in. I um, like, I, for me personally, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, right. You know, I, I'm married. We don't have any kids. So uh, not a lot of responsibility when it comes to that. Um, I think had we had children, uh, you know, uh, at the time, that would have been a different story. Uh, I know a lot of people who had to bartend or serve or, or whatever, uh, uh, whatever other uh, uh, job they were at the time to supplement that before they got into real estate just because, or when they were doing real estate, just to be able to take care of whatever the responsibilities were. I didn't have that. So when I, I knew I was going to make that leap, so I had saved about, I think I had about eight to 10 months of runway uh, of, you know, for mortgage payments, car payments, and whatever responsibilities that we had. So we still had that cushion. If all else failed, I could go back in the industry, but I really right. didn't want to put the one toe in the water. I wanted to just go dive in and fully immerse myself into it. Um, that worked for me, but I know that doesn't work for everybody based on their own circumstances. I think it's the right way to go. I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, month six, uh, when you're, when your account's starting to dwindle and you don't want to make phone calls to, to prospect for new clients, it makes yeah. it pretty easy to pick up that phone and call. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge advocate of, of burning the ship and having, you know, even if it's just a psychological, um, 
no no second chance. It allows you to focus and really dig in on key activities to generate revenue and business because it's that pesky revenue side that makes business hard, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> and that uh, pesky revenue. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, yeah. the whole reason for that. What are um you know the the first year I of becoming a realtor I find pretty fascinating because. You know, you did cut off everything. You cut off everything that you knew. Um, you decided to stop going into the, your place of environment or your work. Yeah. And you said, um, this is what I am now. And this is what I'm going to do. And you trust me, know, like, trust me. What are some resources that you used to kind of help develop your authority and, and make sure that you were making the right decisions? Sure. So uh, for me personally, I think the most important thing was uh, before I even started the process of interviewing brokerages, I reached out to friends of mine who were successful in that field already. Yeah. Uh, so I had a handful of friends who were realtors uh, in the Valley. Uh, and I asked like, you know, what are some steps that I should take to go forward? And I'm sure YouTube is a great resource as well. to like, you know, how to start to get real estate. But I think sure. leaning, leaning on your sphere is so important. You get, you get more of that sort of like direct sort of knowledge from that person to know what to do, whereas YouTube tends to be more of a kind of a general uh, right. idea. So I reached out to some friends. Um, uh, they advised me to interview, you know, several brokerages to see what they, you know, what they offered, what they didn't offer, you know, what was the best fit for me. But the the absolute best thing that I could do as a new agent is, what, is I joined a team. So yeah. I think there's some motivation, you know, when you're like, all right, I'm going to work on my own. Uh, I'll be a solo agent. I think doing that from the get-go is a huge mistake. And that's just my opinion personally. Um, I think it's so imperative to join a team, uh, a successful team that not only fosters, you know, innovation and training and education, uh, but has a consistent platform to teach you, you know, how to be a successful realtor. Um, so I joined uh, another group uh, that was about uh, – I think there was about 30 to 35 agents on a specific okay. team. So a, a pretty, really a pretty good sized team uh, yeah. that was uh, based in Tempe originally. And I don't even work necessarily in Tempe, but uh, I just connected with these guys and they, they had a, a weekly training program. The brokers itself had a great training program. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a, an ecosystem that large, there tends to be, you know, three to four or five people who are going to be, you know, the, uh, cream of the crop, if you will, of agents who are succeeding. So naturally, I really gravitated towards those other agents. And I was just like, how are you doing what you're doing? Like, how right. are you succeeding? You know, what are some of the pitfalls? Uh, what would you do differently, uh, knowing what you know now in your first year of real estate? Uh, so really being a part of a team um, and just having so many things fired your way gives you more of an opportunity. It, it just, it, you grow up so much faster versus being solo and just kind of, you know, having to figure out on your own and then versus talking to somebody who's been through it for five or 10 or, or 15 years and just be like, who has navigated so many different market cycles and how to have tough conversations with clients. And I learned that a lot of that from the first six months of real estate. Interesting. Actually yeah. didn't know that path of your career. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. What, Absolutely. uh, how'd you find a team that you wanted to be part of? I mean, you just, uh, is that you, you enlisted with your brokerage? I mean, this is me being totally green. I don't know. You enlisted with your yeah. brokerage and you said, Hey, I want to join a team. And they're like, here's seven options. Or did you answer an ad on Craigslist or, or. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it was actually the 
Craigslist where it's like, uh, what's that called? Like, the pass you by. Yeah. Or, what's that called? Like, uh, like you were wearing a green shirt. Oh, uh, no. missed opportunities or something like missed that. Missed opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I, uh, I, so like I said, I reached out to uh, some realtor buddies of mine uh, to see um, some lending, uh, people in the lending atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, what, what, are you part of a team? Who do you work with? Who do you like? Um, so I reached out to my sphere and I got several different names and uh, either was, you know, directly with the designated broker that I had conversation with or was with a team lead who was a part of the brokerage. Um, and so uh, I went uh, and talked to a couple of guys who were the team leads uh, on this specific team at a different brokerage. And uh, we just went out to lunch and, you know, got to know each other and our backgrounds uh, uh, and then obviously dove, dove into uh, you know, what, what kind of splits do you have? What kind of training is there? Sure. Um, and a lot of it just came down to like, who do I spend time with? Like there, uh, you know, there might've been another brokerage that would have succeeded just the same, but I also knew like, you know, my, my ambition and my, my values lined up with, with this particular group. Um, and so that's kind of, that's what made me choose this group. Uh, ultimately, I wanted to be with my current brokerage, but as a new agent, they didn't accept new brokerages. And so they right. had to have, you had to have a few sales on your belt, which I think is fantastic. Um, but uh, this is just, this was the biggest platform for me to get started uh, into real estate. And, and was, um, you did mention splits. Was, was money a big factor in it? Or did you just know that this was kind of, um, a temporary landing, you know, I'm going to get here. I'm going to learn, I'm going to make some money uh, yeah. and I'm going to give up some money just to, for, in, in, for that education or to great question. Yeah. Uh, hindsight always 2020. Uh, yeah. I think had I, had I done it differently, I think I would have, uh, uh, focused less on the split. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of my focus originally, again, coming from my background where it's like I make a consistent paycheck and, right. and I know what I'm doing every single day. Uh, I think there's a lot of apprehension and nervousness on my own part to be like, I want the splits to be better, sure. um, to make more money up front. Um, uh, if, I were, if I'm a newer agent and if I'm talking to myself from like four and a half years ago, I would say, don't worry about the money. The money will come the training and the education is so much more valuable and will create uh, the roadmap to where you want to get to. Um, I, I was very, very focused on the money up front. And I think that kind of blinded me to what the, what the bigger goal was. Like I said, it was just to be a trusted resource, to be a good realtor, to be a specialist in my area, to give my clients the best advice possible. Uh, when you're a brand new agent, you're like, I want to make a million dollars. Like those guys on, you know, uh, LA, Miller list or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It looks so easy. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> why are you giving me, you know, 50, 50 split? That's garbage. But, you know, <laughs> if, if they have the resources uh, to make you successful, because that's the whole point. I feel like either you want to be part of a team or you want to create a team. It's one of two ways. And, and there's no, wrong way. If you, you feel like I like the team environment, I want to be a right. part of the team and not be the team lead, that's completely okay. It just depends on your personality and what where your comfort lies. Uh, for me, for my personality, I knew that I wanted to be a, a team lead. And so I think that in the beginning, I kind of butt heads with the team leads mm, uh, of my first brokerage because I was more focused on the money 
um, and, and the splits than I was on really diving into more of the training and the education. And I think that if I'm a new agent, I would focus more on that, just the, uh, the education part of it. Do you have an ant on the screen? <laughs> you know, I, I have these notifications. No worries. <laughs> we do have mats in the office, though. So. <laughs> called a mat. There was one in my, in my coffee, but I don't care. So it's fine. Um, how'd you know when it was time? I mean, it, you said you butted heads, but like when it was time to make that shift, because I watch, um, obviously, our, we work really closely with agents. I watch them move around from time to time, or some, some yeah. of them move around pretty frequently, and both on yeah. teams and in brokerages um, and separate. It, and is it like a breakup? Is that a hard conversation? Like you have to go up to your team and say, hey, I'm moving on? Or um, um, like, tell me about that experience. Well, I think uh, it depends on the dynamic, but, you know, I I kind of knew that I I wanted to be with uh uh with my current brokerage and I can't I say current brokerage like we're not allowed to talk about it but I don't yeah. know it doesn't matter you can <laughs> <laughs> um and and it's not to disparage anyone else but it's just for for the time being but so I think uh, uh it's always a tough conversation um sure. it, it feels a little bit like a breakup but um it's it's not personal it's just business um <laughs> cliches but, make uh, it so much softer and make you feel better huh? <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's not an easy conversation you know because uh i think anytime that a, a team lead invests in a new agent there's you know there's there's time and energy and, and a, a yeah. financial investment that you put into somebody that you hope will you know stay with you whatever that life cycle looks like for a new agent on a team um, I think there's a lot of probably frustration and disappointment uh, from the team leads perspective. If you stay for a short time and go somewhere else, sure. Um, certainly not my intention, but I, I knew that ultimately my biggest goal was to be a part of, I wanted to be part of a brokerage that didn't just take on everybody. Just like, right. yeah, your life is just, just come on in. We don't care. Um, that's what I loved about uh, my brokerage is that, you know, they have incredible training. They have the right people. It's, you know, no one has their hand over the cookie jar and says, you can't have this. It's literally, here's my entire playbook. Now it's your responsibility to do this. Don't, don't take everything, but execute, make it your own, that kind of thing. And so that was what was pretty incredible. Um, but having those conversations with a team lead and say, hey, listen, you know, thank you for everything, but I, I've decided to transfer over. Um, I feel like a little bit, it's like the restaurant industry in that sense, that there's just yeah. so much turnover that it's pretty common. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that, I, I, you know, even in my current place, I, I had thought about going somewhere else as well. Um, and a lot of that was motivated by market conditions. And so, mm. you know, when COVID hit, uh, business for a little bit slowed down and it was pretty yeah. It was pretty scary and, you know, scary for a lot of different reasons, but uh, being at home and, and you're just kind of alone in your thoughts, you're like, you know, am I at the right place? Is this the right thing? Sure. Uh, we're all living on Zoom calls. I'm getting Zoom fatigue. Like, do I keep this? <laughs> so I, I had played around with the idea of going somewhere else, but ultimately uh, I had some pretty heavy conversations with the uh, owner of the brokerage and uh, it just came down to like, you know, it, it's, it's pretty common for agents to blame the brokerage whenever there's uh, uh, any kind of market shift or market change. They're like, oh, 
the brokerage, you know, I'm not getting what I need out of this. And really you have to look at the mirror and say, all right, well, what you did previously doesn't necessarily work with what you're doing currently. And so you have to, you know, change your approach, change your marketing, uh, get more creative uh, because everything I'm getting and the, the reason I've been successful is because of people I work with. Um, and I think changing that, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but uh, I just love the, the group that I work with and, and my business has continued to thrive. I'm like, let's just keep this going. Keep it going. But it, yeah. that's interesting that you say that because you're not part of a group anymore. You're not part of a team. You are your team. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and yet you still have a broader picture of people that you work with. Um, so, yes. so you're still surrounding yourself with successful people, but at a different or higher level. Um, yeah. What, uh, so we're, we're kind of experiencing a little bit of shift now, um, you know, clearly, and we've had several of these conversations over, over the years. Um, and I remember vividly when we, when the COVID hit and you and I talked and, and they made us essential, um, which was kind of a blessing for both of us. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause it, we're able to continue on and adapt and figure out ways to do it. But what are you, um, what are you, what are your shifts for this current market conditions and, and how are you helping your clients um, win and advising them to win? Sure. So um, what I love about our current market, and there's a lot of uncertainty and, and fear and panic. Uh, there's a narrative going around, obviously, you know, oh, it's the crash and all the kind of stuff. And sure. the, the challenging part of navigating this current market is altering the perception because a lot of the media, you know, what gets clicks is, uh, uh, you know, crash or yeah. uh, recession and that kind of stuff. And recession doesn't mean necessarily that your home price or values are going down uh there's been a lot of information where it's like three of the past five recessions home values have actually gone up um i think it was like the the 90s or whatever it was where like there was a recession and went down like less than two percent in value Mm -hmm. uh uh, nationally then of course everyone remembers the big crash in 08 9 and 10 but um that's an outlier so when you look at look at the grander schemes as far as like you know what lending practices are like right now you know you, it's having those those conversations with your client and really being an educator and allowing them to make that decision. So um, has there has the market slowed down a little bit? Sure, but it's only slowed down in the sense of we were at a lightning pace sure. uh, for basically like a year and a half to two years which was shocking when you consider that we're also going through a pandemic. It's just not only that, but like I didn't have time to do as a solo agent, there wasn't a lot of time to do, you know, a ton of social media. There wasn't a lot of time to do a ton of marketing, uh, a ton of outsourcing or interviewing other agents to grow my team. It was just like, hurry up and go. Your pants are on fire. You have to get your clients into the house. Um, and you didn't feel like you were adding It was tough. You know, when you're telling your clients, Hey, you know, my value add to you is you have to write $50,000 over ask and waive everything to get this house. That was, yeah. that was, but that's what it was. It was, you had to throw everything out the window and then sacrifice a small goat in order to get this house. <laughs> we're, we're now with interest rates going up and then a little bit of uncertainty in the market. It's been, it's been great for realtors who have been doing this for a while who know how to have the right conversations, who get to educate their clients, who now get to, uh, believe it or not, we get to, if, if I'm showing my client a house, we get to have a second look 
sometimes if it's like, Hey, we're going to look at 10 homes, you know, maybe of those 10 homes, we like two of them. Let's go take a look at those homes again. We didn't get that opportunity last time. So now, right. you know, instead of you've got 10 minutes to see this house and write an offer, now you have time to think about it, sit back and then really put together a strategy as far as like, all right, yes, rates are high. Um, you know, you can do a rate buy down. Uh, a lot of lenders are really creative right now where you can do what's called a three, two, one, whereas essentially you pay or you, ha you have a, a negotiation with the seller uh, if they're willing to, uh, instead of reducing the price, um, let's say, you know, by $15,000, uh, the price is the same, but 15 in concession goes towards the interest rate. So you buy it down, oh, so you have a lower payment. So it's like 3% lower the first year, 2% lower, 1% lower. And then after three years that you can figure out whether or not, you know, where rates are at, either you do a refi or, or what have you to kind of keep that rate lower. So there's a lot of different creative avenues um, that we're able to educate our clients on that we really didn't have the luxury that we have today. And then plus with, you know, more listings, we're starting to get more of a balanced market. So we're starting right. to get sort of uh, uh, almost equal negotiation on both sides where it's like, hey, you know, yeah, your neighbor's hold, a home sold for 50000 over ask three months ago, that's not the same market anymore. Um, yeah, so it's kind of coming back down, back down to reality of, uh, you know, now we have to price it really fair, fair market value. Uh, we have negotiation on price and terms and it's like a, a normal market. So it's, yeah. it, it's, I understand the, um, you know, some of the apprehension from some of my clients were like, I don't know what's going on. Sure. And it's not my job to push them to be like, to make that decision. It's my job to, Here's the data. Here's the information. You make of it what you will. And then if you want to buy a house, you can buy a house. Makes sense to me. I mean, it, it, yeah. it almost seems like the, the realtor's position has, or value prop, proposition and position has changed dramatically and immensely. I mean, the, yeah. the last two, two and a half years, not only have values or uh, prices increased, I don't know, 80 to 150%, um, yeah. but you're, you were in a frenzied, place and you know i don't know how many offers you probably wrote in that in that time period it had to be thousands hundreds yeah 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 i mean um i mean there was there was clients uh in all price between like four hundred thousand and one point five, and sure. of course the ones at four hundred thousand. you know there were clients uh we had to set expectations right away you know, before we show houses, you know we'd sit down and we'd have a, a buyer consultation for at least an hour sometimes two hours depending on their uh, experience, uh, if they were a first time home buyer, if they purchased multiple homes. And I would have to educate my clients, like, hey, listen, this is the market that we're in. Um, you're gonna have to fall in love with maybe 10, 15, could be 20 homes, which is a really, it's, it's a tough conversation to have with your client um, because after a while, uh, clients can feel like your value you know, isn't as high as they thought it was. Like, well, you're such a great, great agent. You know, why am I not getting these houses? And it just depends on, you know, the qualifications of the client. They may not, they may be a, a financed offer. They may not be able to afford to waive the appraisal um, or to go significantly over ask. And so there were tough conversations that we had a couple of years ago where it's like, you might have to sit out for a couple of years until this market cooled down. Wow. to be able to write a competitive offer because there, there were situations where we might write 10 offers and, you know, we're not changing the terms enough to really push the needle. And it's like, we're, we're just not getting where we need to be. 
um, to no fault of the client. It's just, you know, they have to stay within a specific affordability range. And if they couldn't do it, then it's like, hey, maybe set this out, you know, save some more money um, and then wait, you know, for the market to change a little bit, which it has. Interest rates have obviously gone up quite a bit, um, but it's less less competitive. So, um, you know, it's the value add, I feel like of a realtor is just to present the data and a lot of the clients to make the decision. I, I feel like sure. a lot of times, like, you know, we get labeled as, as salespeople and it's, you know, slimy or whatever. People who have that that slimy uh, uh, moniker, they just don't last in, in this business or most businesses, you know, probably. Yeah, of course. Um, if you want to be uh, a successful agent, it is like, if you can, if I'm going the right way here. So this is how you start. It's like, this is kind of like your line right here of growth. It's like just incrementally you you just grow but based on reputation and sales and new clients and reputation uh, whereas like if you're trying to go like this it just it just doesn't work that way can't handle um, it. no no that line was perfect by the way it's like when it's like the dvd back in the day that was like <laughs> is it gonna touch the quarter <laughs> um I think that's interesting. And, and you bring up, um, you know, you brought up Zoom fatigue. Imagine just this is people's homes that we're trying to buy. And and they might see, fall in love with 20 homes. It's really not possible. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I always, I'm a firm believer that, that you find, you end up in the house that you're supposed to be, you're supposed to end up on. And, and sometimes the first house you choose is not the right one. Um, you know, as you and I have worked with people before where, um, you know, they'll get through the inspection and it's just too much for them to take on or they've fallen out of love with the house on that. Not simply because of the inspection, but maybe because they've spent more time in the house during the, the inspection than they did to choose to buy on it or when they made the buying decision. Um, so sometimes it takes one, two, three, four houses. Um, I think our record with somebody inspecting houses is four and I'm in on that record too. It did take me four houses to to find the right one um and so i, I can't imagine oh, you personally took you personally four houses is that what you said yeah. wow, yeah. wow. We have, okay we have four houses under contract and the fourth one was the right house where we, we were supposed to be um so for various reasons moving family um, from hawaii not being in state um stuff kept coming up we couldn't get a feel for the house so on and so forth yeah um so it took a while and, and there was a little bit more work on the back end, but we ended up where we we're supposed to be. Um, which segues into um, how do you build successful client relationships? Cause it's being a real estate agent is a people business. It's a service-based business. It is. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow burn. Um, I think it's important uh in the beginning when you're a new realtor you know you want to work with everybody um you you want to get get that experience and so you talk to so many different people and different avenues uh but the 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 longer you're in this business uh and if you continue to stay successful and continue to follow up and you're consistent in your your communication and your delivery uh, and your service um it, it, it tends to happen naturally. So you tend to, you know, uh, maybe I mean, my, my first year in real estate, I did 10 transactions. It's um, oh, huge. I don't know what the, what the average is. Yeah. It was, uh, I know that like, 
I think it was a new agent, the average to close their first transaction was somewhere between six and nine months. Yeah. Um, and I was able to do, uh, I think it was six transactions in my first six months. Um, and then uh, I had transferred over about after seven or eight months. Thank you. Uh, to the new brokerage. And then I had some of the pipeline already closed out. But anyway, um, you know, when you're, when you're with these people who are buying houses or selling houses, uh, uh, you, you kind of organically become a part of their lives. Uh, um, you know, you're like, because uh, there's going to be periods in the transaction where, you know, all right, we had the inspection, we negotiated uh, whatever repairs. And then there's like title has a responsibility. And so during that time, you're just kind of following up naturally with clients. How are you guys doing? I'm still here. You guys need anything? Yeah. Do you want to go get some coffee? And so you organically learn about, you know, where they came from and uh, their family and their background and, you know, why they're buying a house. And so you develop this relationship uh, with your clients and, um, and some of them become, uh, I become lifelong friends with some of my clients, which is, uh, you know, it, that wasn't the intention. I, I don't go out like, I'm going to be your best friend. <laughs> uh, I have so many best friends, um, but you just, you sometimes just naturally click with people and it, sure. it, it's, uh, you know, once you do that, then there's that trust and there's credibility and they tend to be like, Hey, I've got a friend or a coworker or a colleague or whatever that needs to buy or sell. And you start to develop that relationship. Um, so, you know, really, uh, just pick up the phone and, and call me and just think 90% of the conversations I have with clients has nothing to do with real estate. It really, it's just, it's just being a human being. And it's like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, I saw on Facebook, you guys were at Disneyland. How was Disneyland? Like what's, you know, what's going on in your life? Uh, how's work? You know, what else is going on? That kind of thing. And then um, if they decide to talk about real estate, that's great. If not, that's, I just want to know how my clients are doing. And I think if you approach it from a real authentic and genuine space, that it's, it, it, your clients sense that they're like, Oh, he, he's calling me because he really cares about, you know, my family, which is true. Uh, not because he's just trying to get more sales. If you're just focused on sales and money, like just, it, it's, uh, there's an expression I heard called commission breath. And it's like, <laughs> if, if you approach it that way, people can smell that, uh, just like my coffee breath yeah. uh, on you from a mile away. Yeah. Are you, are you fairly regimented in reaching out and, and, continuing the the conversations or the relationship i mean i obviously the ones that you're lifelong friends with and i don't mean to do air quotes on that but that have evolved into lifelong friends um those are the easy ones to call but you know there are some that that you have client relationships like it is a business transaction and client relationships that maybe hasn't developed into that lifetime are you the easy ones are going to be the friends to pick to pick up the phone and call are you still calling everybody in there and how regimented are you I am. So uh, every, I have uh, what's called, it's called five, five, fives. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people will have different uh, terms for it, but it's yeah. five days a week. Um, and that's just a coincidence. That's five days a week, but it's, it's either uh, five current past uh, or people I met uh, I'm going to call. So maybe a past client, I call a current client or someone I met, you know, at a coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. And then I do five, five handwritten cards. Um, and that could be anything from like happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy homeversary. Uh, it's uh, a kid's birthday. Uh, they just got a dog. Congratulations. Uh, 
wherever. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do five uh, comments uh, on social media. So if I'm on social okay. media, I'll see like, you know, someone just had a baby, congratulations, that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, it's a great way to organically stay in touch with your sphere or your clients. Um, I love the handwritten card. It's kind of like the, uh, 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 oh man, I forget his name, the uh, uh, Ruffini, Ruffini. It's the Ruffini, Ruffini yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of like a, sort of amalgamation of that. Uh, but I, I love doing the handwritten cards. I, I, whenever you get a handwritten card, it just stands out in a crowd. Yeah. And you have all the junk mail and you, you see someone that just wrote the card. You're like, huh. Uh, I think it makes a good impression. I love getting them. Uh, I still get them from my mom, really? <laughs> you know, uh, in my in my family. And it's just there's a an emotional response to it. I, I think that just says, "Hey, I took the time to not just send you a message on, on Instagram or whatever, but I I wrote down a handwritten something to celebrate something about you." Hmm. Um, and and it doesn't take a whole lot. It's just like like five cards a day. That takes me maybe. 25 minutes uh if that you know stamps and put them in the mail uh, and then five comments and then five phone calls and of the five phone calls every day maybe depending on what time i call maybe two pick up you know yeah. and i'll leave messages for the other people so uh, and a lot of times you won't even get a call back it's just like it's just they think that you know sometimes clients will think oh they're just trying to get like a, a sale or whatever it is and i'm like that's okay. You know, it's, yeah. uh, that might be a client that you don't have as close of a relationship with or, or, or a potential client. Um, but when you show up every single day and you're consistent, it, people notice that they're like, Oh, that guy's, he's always sending cards out. He's always calling. And, you know, it seems to be from a, a genuine space. So that's someone I'd like to work with. So uh, that has worked for me personally. I know there's a lot of people who have different approaches and that works. Um, but I think it's just that, like I said, it's that slow buildup that sure. you know eventually gets you to a space where you want to be. No, I mean, that's really powerful. There's, there's always going to be different approaches. Um, and that's one good thing about business is that, is that you could try a bunch of different things and you start to find what, the longer that you're in it, you start to find out what really starts to work. Um, so one of the, I think the most compelling platforms is, is social media. And I think you're, you're really good on social media too. Um, it helps that you have uh, a wife that's really great on social media. <laughs> know what you're talking about. But <laughs> um, to support you in that. And, uh, what, so what are some, some strategies and, and what's your kind of play in, in the social media realm for a real sure. estate agent, but also building your own brand? Um, well, uh, the scary it, it, social media is so powerful. It's so powerful yeah. and it's uh, it can be incredibly time consuming, but also incredibly rewarding. Mm. Um, you know, it, uh, my experience with social media, like I primarily use Facebook and Instagram. Um, right. I haven't dove too much into TikTok. I've used it a little bit, but uh, I know it's something I'll have to implement as well. Uh, and then of course I do some YouTube videos on educational platforms, but um, when I look back, like my, I still have my first video that I did for an open house when I was a brand new realtor. And if you watch it now, it's like, it's almost like ASMR where it's like, if you watch this, it'll put you to sleep. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm Sam Weisinger. It's my house. <laughs> um, 
and you're like, like, gosh, it's like, that is, that is so boring. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to be terrible. Uh, and uh, I think with some newer agents who, uh, uh, maybe not so much with newer agents, it depends on, you know, where you're at in life. But, but, you know, if you're already accustomed to using social media and you're not afraid of it and you're, and you embrace technology, then it's no big deal. Uh, but if, if it wasn't something that you use aside from like me, when I was, uh, in the restaurant industry, I didn't use it so much to promote, right. uh, the restaurant because we had other people who were responsible for that, but it was just like, Hey, this is what I'm doing this weekend. What are you guys doing? It was very kind of arbitrary, but in, in so in, in real estate, it's, it's not only imperative to have a social media strategy, uh, of some kind, uh, as a part of your business, but it's free. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. It, it is your top of mind. So anytime you create something uh, and it goes out to whatever audience and however the algorithm works, you know, I think it's like 10%. So if you had 2000 followers, maybe 200 people will see that. But that means you're making 200 free impressions just by being like, right. what's up? Dan Weisinger, I'm at a coffee shop, new coffee shop in, in, uh, in Scottsdale, whatever. Uh, I like for my strategy, I don't like it to be all real estate. Uh, right. I want it to be something like, oh, I know this guy. Uh, whereas if you just give too much rules, like open house, open house, open house. After a while, if you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to tune this guy out. I get yeah, it. We're going to open house. Like, and there needs to be some sort of like a, a variation involved. So it's like a lot of times, you know, I had my wife, uh, Shana, in a picture and we're on vacation mm -hmm. or it's a, it's a walkthrough or a house. Uh, but it's, you're constantly figuring out ways to make a good impression make interesting content which is so imperative it's not just like don't just take anything like oh i had to post something so i'll just put some real quick together and just post just to put it out there because it's like if you don't put any effort into it you're not going to get much in return so it's having a good social media strategy is like having another full-time job in and of itself and i'm sure you can attest to that like uh you know you do a, you do a great job with your your social media but i'm sure there's times where you're just like your pants are on fire and you're doing multiple yeah. inspections you're like oh that was a great opportunity uh to post this but it's 160 degrees in its attic <laughs> and i just want to get out of here yeah um, for sure so it's you know it's one of those things where it's you know whatever you use whether it's facebook tiktok uh youtube uh it's really important to create like a specific like all right here's a top five mistakes sellers make or here's a top five things to do before you sell your house or here's top five things buyers should do before they look at properties like everyone loves top fives it's just sure. it's, it's really an Easy attention grabbing thing yeah um uh and you know maybe doing like three to five posts a week is somewhere and i'm guilty of it too like not doing that enough uh but doing three to five posts a week and you know, supplement that with stories. Uh, now Instagram loves, uh, has for a while, Reels. Reels. Because uh, they're competing with TikTok. So, um, you know, the challenge with Reels is to make interesting content that isn't necessarily like the, I got I to gotta dance to get views. <laughs> and I'm a realtor. And, you know, it's just like, it becomes a little ridiculous. You're like, hey, interest rates and selling your house. You're like, why is this guy <laughs> dancing? <laughs> You know, so it, it it's challenging to be because he's good at uh, it, entertain, entertaining yeah. <laughs> and fun and informative, and not being like a, a clown <laughs> at yeah. the same time. I mean that that totally makes sense. And and one thing I wanted to ask you is is like, 
outside of business, real estate stuff, what are some content that you think adds value from a business perspective? Like, hey, don't forget about me because I'm I'm Daniel Realtor Man. Um, <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> I actually have that on on my phone when it's the hot spot. It says Dan the Realtor Man. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> um, but keeps you top of mind, but but keeps people engaged. Like, what are some stuff you do um, outside of the vacations and stuff like that? I mean, are you you're out um, touring people and because a lot of your stuff is yeah seemingly organic, maybe a little planned. Um, like, where do you how do you get inspired in that and to create and bring value? I think um, as a solo agent uh, or a new agent, I think it's important to. Uh, because it's like you want to develop your own identity, uh, which is important, but you also want to see who are others who are doing it very successfully. So like Ryan mm -hmm. Sturham is somebody that I really follow, who just has a ton of energy, really engaging content, uh, really different, unique stuff. Um, you know, uh, a, a lot of the guys from those shows uh, on, on Bravo, whatever network it is. Sure. It's like, all right. That's not necessarily realistic from like the reality TV perspective, but the content they're putting together, it's engaging. So a lot of it is, you know, asking the right questions like, hey, what are some things that you guys are looking for in a new build house? You know, what are things that you guys like? Like you want to create content that people want to engage with. Like if I just put, hey, will you come to my open house from 9-11 on Saturday? No one cares. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like doesn't matter. But if you're like, hey, uh, here's, you know, there's a lot of people who bought houses in 2018, 19, and 20 who have a ton of equity uh, and deciding whether or not they want to sell their house and upgrade or, or pull out some equity and, and then put it back into their house for renovation. So, you know, uh, you know, I'll create some content like here's the top five areas uh, uh, to improve your house for the highest ROI. So it's like, okay. you know, the kitchen, kitchen remodel, this is what your average kitchen remodel looks like. And uh, bathroom, uh, uh, garage door, surprisingly, uh, like the actual garage door, uh, paint. Uh, if you just paint your house, typically it has like 110% ROI and it's the wow. cheapest thing you could do. Uh, as long as you, you know, maybe don't paint your house pink or color. purple or whatever, <laughs> but paint the right color. Uh, it has some of the highest return on investment. And I think that's, that's some of the content that I've gotten the most engagement with where it's like, Hey, here's the top five things you can do. Um, and also if you guys need a great contractor, um, you know, I, DM me and I can send you a referral mm, and I built relationships through that way where it's like, Hey, I, you know, I love your content and, uh, I, I need a painter. I need a great home inspector. Uh, I need whatever. Um, so, uh, you've got to create a, a, a content that people want to engage with that, that is ah. fun um so you know like i said like it doesn't all have to be real estate focused it could be like um you know I, I might visit a new restaurant in scottsdale and like do a cool little reel where it's like different shots and food and fun and atmosphere and then be like you know what are your favorite restaurants in scottsdale comment below and uh you know we could do a random gift card giveaway to the restaurant yeah, cool. where it's like hey 25 dollars you know yep. to someone like tag a friend and and then write a comment and then I'll randomly draw someone uh, a gift card to this restaurant because I want to support a local restaurant. And thank that you for that. I have randomly won six times. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that, do you think uh, it's but, imperative, yeah. though, in business? Um, I mean, social media at this point is, it, it's, can you, can you exist as a real estate agent without it? Yeah, it depends on your client. depends on who you're working with. Um, you know, I know a couple of uh, very successful agents that are barely on social media, really? but they they work with a lot of investors specifically. Um, you know, so uh, investor clients, and not all of them, but a lot of investor clients aren't, you know, big into social media. They're just, they're looking for the right deal. And so they want to meet the agent who can put that together. Yeah, and you know where their time is. Uh, everyone's time is valuable, but especially for like an investor personality, type A personality, they're not wasting time scrolling on TikTok or or Reels. They're, they're, most investors aren't going to find you there. Right. There might be some, uh, but I think uh, uh, you know there are agents who just they'll still do like an open house thing or whatever it is. But uh, but they've built up to that. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, so it's like maybe they started as a newer agent sure. and then they thought, hey, I want to focus on, you know, resale of this area. And then maybe naturally they started to gravitate towards investors. And, um, you know, which I've worked with investors that, you know, I've helped them buy one house uh, or six houses and sell two to do a 1031 exchange. And so, sure. you know, they're not, they're not so concerned about uh, social media, but you know, there certainly is an audience for that. So I think as, as a newer agent, unless you ever had that sphere built up where you're like, you know, I come from a family, uh, uh, we're well off and I, I worked with a lot of investors in previous doing fix and flips or wholesaling, um, you know, so there isn't that much need for social media, but uh, it definitely has benefited my business. Of course. Um, so, and I think that, uh, uh, <laughs> Do you think it's more of a an acquisition tool or a retention tool? I mean, I know it could be both, but how are you playing that game? Um, me for me personally, it's more of a retention. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I said, it, it's it's more of like I'm able to stay top of mind with my sphere. Right. Um, if I, if I happen to get a referral or somebody comes in and says, "Hey, you know, I like I love your content." Um, I think uh, maybe like two to three clients a year I've picked up through social media um, doing something that I didn't know that wasn't a part great. of my immediate sphere, yeah. which is great. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't the intention um, because you have to know that like, all right, in your immediate sphere, uh, you know, one person might know 10 agents. And so how do you separate yourself Right. from those 10 other real estate agents and you're you're not trying to step on toes uh i've talked to other real estate agents who are like you know i don't do a lot of social media because i don't want to give away the farm i don't want to give away my, my secrets and i don't want other people stealing my stuff and i get that but i feel like there's enough i, I come from like you know a, 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 an abundant life so it's like there's enough mm-hmm. for everybody to go around sure. and i love to give away that information because in, in my opinion at least uh, I feel like if you are the person offering that information, then you're the expert. And if someone decides to steal that stuff and, and make it a copy or whatever it is, part of that is kind of flattering. Yeah. Uh, but also like they still have to execute. 
like I'm the one creating the content. I'm the one who is, you know, constantly trying to grow and evolve and then put that into social media. And if some other agent takes that information and does what they want with it, that's fine. That's, you know, that's, it's not going to ruin my day. No. Um, but if it impacts my clients positively, that's, that's the whole point of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. To be an authority. Yeah. Um, I, are, are I you using TikTok? Uh, we're just starting to a little bit. Um, okay. and, and I talked about this in my last first podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, my, my big eye-opening moment on TikTok was um, when we were interviewing VAs and they are, there were five of them based in the Philippines, five or six of them based in the Philippines. And we asked a pretty standard yeah. question, which was um, when, you, when you have a question you don't know the answer to, what's your resource? And, and instead of saying YouTube or Google or whatever, they said TikTok. And, yeah. and to me, that was, that was like a light bulb moment. Like, this is pretty important. Um, I think it was TikTok that had, they've now overtaken Google. As the most visited site site and yeah. and one thing yeah. you mentioned for sure is is there's so many different avenues there's there's youtube there's tiktok there's there's facebook instagram um yeah. didn't mention snapchat um uh, and twitter uh and there's probably a couple others that i can't even remember but that's that's a lot of work to get all six or seven of those going um but i think it's important to manage it um you know we're we're 40 and, and uh, 40-ish, let's say. Um, and uh, we didn't grow up with this, but the new batch of realtors that's coming on um, that are just getting started, uh, that are 20s and early 30s, they've had a camera stuck in their face their entire life. And I like their sure. your transparency that, that your first video you ever did was terrible. Um, you know, the first video I ever did was terrible and all of them are still terrible, but you have to <laughs> move out of your comfort zone to keep pushing into it to get better. Um, and, yeah. and I think what I was driving at with is, is social media imperative for a real estate agent. Um, I think that answer is starting to become yes. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the, those that, you know, the two agents that, that work with investors that you can top of mind think of is becoming less, a smaller pool to, to move from. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you, wh why do you gravitate towards, Facebook and Instagram at this point? Um, well, now that you call us out as far as being on our 40-ish yeah, age. That's okay. Uh, uh, no, but I, there's a comfortability there. Uh, you know, with, with Facebook and Instagram, uh, I, I'm used to it. So uh, I've, I've learned to kind of grow with it as, that, yeah. as that's grown. And TikTok is, I don't want to say the new, newest player. I mean, it's the newest player on the block, uh, which really has a lot of the same functionality as Instagram reels. So it's not, yeah. like I said, not that much different. There's a, you know, there's a learning curve to it, of course. Um, and I'm not opposed to uh, implementing more TikTok uh, uh, into my strategy. But like you said, there's, there's, you know, LinkedIn and Snapchat and, and whatever else is out there. I think it's important not to spread yourself too thin. Oh, interesting. It's, it's important to have, uh, cause and every like Facebook and Instagram, those are two different audiences. So it's really Agreed. important that, you know, when you're creating content for Facebook, it's, it tends to be an older audience and it's important to, you know, if you're doing dance videos on, on, on Facebook, 
specifically, Please you're do probably that. not reaching the right <laughs> people, you know? Uh, whereas like that tends to be more like uh, on Facebook, like more data-driven, more uh, articles, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, things happening in a neighborhood specifically or, or uh, new commercial projects, things that are helping improve that. Or uh, Whereas Instagram, again, tends to be more of the colorful, bright, kind of in-your-face, yeah. dance, fun, younger audience and TikToks and even younger audience, but, but similar. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to have a strategy for each social platform, but it's also important not to spread yourself so thin that now, you know, you're spending so much time trying to create content for each one, where, like I said, that becomes a job in and of itself. Now yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from, doing that like if you're like hey I, I do every single platform and i make my calls and i do open houses like you know and i have no time to see my family or whatever yeah. it is <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh i certainly know that as as i'm growing into my career and as i begin to uh, uh you know bring agents on and and bring on an assistant uh that'll be something that my assistant will help our va will help with to like yeah. implement uh strategy more for each specific uh social platform because it's, it's important again it's, it's another free avenue for you to like advertise something not advertise but to post something on linkedin to create a, a, oh, yeah. a fun video on youtube to do a cool po a personal post on instagram uh and to do something different on facebook if you have a strategy for each one, um, or maybe say like four uh, of the biggest ones out there, it can only benefit you long term. You know, it's not like if you if if you didn't do social media at all and all you did is open houses, I'm sure you do fine as a real estate yeah. agent. But once you start to add all these layers into your business, like either it's social media or, or handwritten cards and postcards and uh, and uh, maybe some like neighborhood gathering happy hour things or whatever it is or like uh i i know some people who have done like a movie in the park yep. uh in a, in a neighborhood and they've gotten their title rep and lender lending partner to you know supplement that and then get the community together to watch like a pixar movie or something just to That's have fun great. um you know when you start to layer all that in uh it 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 becomes a part of your 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 dna your reputation as, as a realtor as someone's like not only a part of the community uh that is doing really cool things but also uh you see them everywhere on every platform so i don't know yeah that's a lot yeah you gotta yeah. do all that and at some point you still have to open the doors show houses write contracts negotiate deals and yeah. make sure make sure the the transaction is is seamless from the beginning to the end Handing them the keys. One thing that's that's helped is time management. Uh, yeah. You know, if you if you step step back and look at everything, it can be overwhelming for sure. Uh, but if you structure your day accordingly, like, all right, I'm going to show five houses today, um, and then uh, you know I'll stop off at a coffee shop, get coffee, write the contract or whatever it is. Um, you can create content doing that as well. It's like we're like, huh? all right. I have to I have to write this contract in the coffee shop. Here's the life of a realtor. Uh, I'm writing an offer in this coffee shop because they have Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm I'm dripping sweat in the summer, and you're like, you know, uh, it's you can still create fun uh, fun content uh, and be intentful at the same time, and then kind of show people kind of a behind the scenes of what you're 
what your life looks like. Then, because then you create realistic expectations not only for newer agents, yeah. but I think your clients have a, a better appreciation for the amount of work that goes into it. Where it's not just like, hey, I just wrote an offer and I went home and I watched, uh, 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 you know, the, the Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> not sure why that was the first choice. That's okay. Uh, no judgment. Uh, you know, but that there's a lot more that goes into it. Where it's not just like I wrote an offer and I got paid. Right. Uh, I think if you show the behind the scenes stuff of uh, a lot of the grit and, and, and emotional uh, uh, roller coaster that you go on through the process and then your clients go through as well. And you show that uh, uh, people tend to like, like, hey, that's real. That's a real moment. Yeah, for um, sure. This person is working for their clients uh, um, physically <laughs> and emotionally. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that's huge. I think. I think I would love to see that story, you know, open up the doors and, and talk about the nitty gritty. Um, yeah. As you're, as you're navigating through the process and, and that way, yeah, you know, you're learning something I would imagine on every transaction. I, I still learn everything, something at every inspection, at least, yeah, you know, every time we're there, I, I learn one new thing. Um, and so you take that and share it, you teach people and then it grows your sphere and your, your impact on people. Um, let's switch into a quick inspector question. Um, so sure. as a buyer's agent, uh, what do you like the most and what do you like the least about home inspections and inspectors or inspectors? Uh, um, no, no feelings will be hurt in this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I like the most? I mean, uh, I think, you know, when I first got into real estate and uh, uh, again, you're, you know, I'm learning about the inspection process as well, because, yeah. you know, when I, um, what, what, let me backtrack a little bit. So I bought my first home, I actually bought my first home as a renter and uh, I bought it from the property manager. So um, I technically bought it as an unrepresented buyer. Um, cool. and didn't do any inspections and so i didn't i didn't really know the, the process and so when i was uh branding a real estate and i was working with other agents and i would go to their inspections as well uh, uh you know you start to learn the process and the approach and, and you know what they're looking at what they can see what they can't see um but it really wasn't until uh i and i, I don't mean this to 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 make your ego any bigger than it already is. <laughs> but it wasn't really until, until I worked with you that I really got to see like how thorough your team is and what, how well you guys communicate and, uh, and the reports that you send out um, and how, you know, you're there to be uh, uh, objectively like, you know, you're just impartial. You're like, you're just, here's the details of the report. You're not sitting there going, you should buy his house or, or you should run away. <laughs> um, you know, it's like you have trained, you've done an incredible job training your team to be your voice. You know, and I think that's really important is it's, you know, obviously every inspector will have their own personality. Sure. But really, even when you're not there, which breaks my heart when you're not there at every one of my inspections, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can... I feel like you're there because I can tell just by the detail, you know, things that they've gone over, what they have found, 
uh, knowing uh, some of the background, like when inspectors know some of the background of the client, like, oh, this is a first time home buyer or this is for a family. Um, You know, they, of course, they're still going through all the same, I don't know, 8,000 steps they had to go through during inspection. But, you know, I think knowing that, all right, this first time home buyer, um, it's overwhelming. It's, you know, you get in a 50 something page report. And you're like, what am I getting myself into? Uh, it's very daunting. Um, and not only do I educate my clients to like, you know, I send them one of your sample inspection reports. So they know mm-hmm. to expect like, this is a good house, but you know, they're going to find something. And so your inspectors have done an incredible job uh, of, you know, really doing the handholding, being available. If you have any questions, they can call them uh, because I'm no nine by no means the expert. So if they ask me like, oh, you know, what do you think this air conditioner with R22 refrigerant, you know, like, <laughs> like, ah, it works fine. But, you know, here's someone you can talk to. You can talk to the inspector to get some more information sure. or you can talk to uh, an expert. So uh, I love that from my perspective. So you, your, your team has always done a great job uh, of understanding, you know, the client that they're working with, understand they have a job to, uh, thoroughly inspect the house up and down and that, you know, setting the expectation, like, listen, we're human. We're not going to see everything. We're not going to find everything every single time. There might be a little crack in the corner that it gets missed or whatever it is. Um, but uh, it's, there's always going to be a human element to it. And, and I appreciate that. And I, I know like clients have appreciated that. Um, as far as what I don't like, I mean, it's, you know, it, I don't like it that you guys, find problems with houses so (laughs) (laughs) no um it's it's hard to say like like um i love that you know you are always looking for new ways to innovate and to deliver the information and make it easier for clients to read you know for before it's just you know it's a pdf of uh, 54 pages or now you know you can find the links and break it down and uh and there's more information and guides and you know, where to go to get more information about this. I think you've made it incredibly uh, uh, user-proof to be able to like find this information uh, regardless of how experienced the client is in, in buying or selling homes. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to like nitpick and say, well, I don't like it that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I understand. I, I, well, I, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was yeah. certainly blown away by that. I, that was not the intent of the question, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, are you are you preparing? As, so as you're touring houses, you've been on a lot of inspections, you're paying attention. As you're touring yeah. houses, are you preparing your clients for things that might come up in the inspection? Or even if you walk through a house and maybe they start to like it and you're like, this is, you know, I can see that there are X, Y, Z already wrong with this house. Um, are you steering them in different directions? Or are you starting to coach them? Prior, prior um, to offers being made, given given that we both know the last two years are crazy, but now we're entering into a more common market, you know, where people sure. have time to, yeah, have choices to, to make a to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, it, it's it's a balance. So um, because part of it is you don't want to interject your own potential opinion on a property. Sure. Uh, if it's glaringly obvious, like they're like, hey, there's termite tubes in the ceiling. So 
you know, just just be aware of that like if there's termite tubes all over, there's a possibility that you know that the previous owner neglected maintaining this property well. So just be aware of that. You know, there shouldn't be any surprises there. They they might still like the property, but um, I think when it comes to like aesthetics, you know, there's just certain things you walk into a property or location, you do your best to like, you know, put your client into an area that they're wanting to be in and sometimes you, you stretch it out but if you're walking through a property i'll certainly educate my clients on things to be aware of that are things that not everyone might think of like you know i i in in older homes i will look at the electrical panel yeah and you know I, I will look at like all right you know uh is this a modern panel does it have aluminum wiring you know what does it cost to replace the panel uh things to be aware of in the house as well I know you and I have done inspections uh, and you see these bootleg uh, uh, ground wires in the outlets. And mm -hmm. if there's one, they're, they're probably all like that. So you got to think right. of like, all right, you might have to rewire this house. Uh, you know, in the previous market, that probably wasn't something that we could negotiate. But in our current market, you know, if, if we find a house that's crazy, I know, 30 days on market, yeah. you know, there, might be, you know, <laughs> there might be an opportunity to have a reasonable conversation with the seller and then uh, negotiate, like if it's a great house, except it has these things that, you know, you're probably going to have to take care of. There's a possibility that we might be able to get the, the seller to agree to repair this, offer credit, or whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think you're doing your client any favors by just being completely in the background and silent and not saying anything. Right. Um, you, you certainly want to sell the house. Like here's your, they've got, you know, a brand new roof and new windows and they've got nice floors, but you know, here it's like a compliment sandwich. You're like, here's some beautiful stuff. Here's the not so great yeah. stuff, but you know, here's the neighborhood as well. Like it's got a great school and the house across the streets, you know, that's been completely done, sold for a hundred thousand dollars higher. So like, you know, there's always a give and take. So just yep. be aware of like, you know, you're not going to find a perfect house. Um, so just be aware of like things that will help improve the value things will help improve the safety just so you're not closing on the house. And then a month later, your AC goes out. You're like, Dan, you didn't tell me that the AC was that bad. And you're like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. No, I, I appreciate yeah. that approach. Um, do you have any book recommendations uh, or podcasts that you're inclined to um, that, that have helped you along the way? Yeah. Um, I love, uh, uh, Brian North got me into a book. Uh, really, I wasn't a big reader uh, in my early 30s. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've really started to appreciate, um, you know, just the value and advice that you get, the nuggets that you get from reading. Uh, plus, it forces you to slow down a little bit, which is nice, instead of being mm -hmm. at a frantic pace all the time. So uh, I love The the Go-Giver by ah, Bob Bird. Yep. Um, just it's it's just a great way to reframe your way of thinking of just like just again constantly offering value uh, uh you know if uh, i i remember a friend of mine uh who's not a client she just uh uh you know she was going through a rough time and work was challenging and you know uh, kids and covid and that kind of stuff and so uh you know i would just send out a book or flowers just like hey just thinking about you and just you know for giving for nothing else but just giving it's like hey yeah. i'm thinking about you hope you're doing well and so it reframes your mind like like if you 
approach that habit, the universe will reward you in some sense. Don't do it because you're like, well, the universe is going to give me that. <laughs> uh, but just know that like, once you adopt that attitude and that, that frame of mind, like it just, you tend to be uh, just a good you know, source of energy and positivity for, for your sphere. Um, definitely love uh, uh, Salt Like Searhan, the Ryan Searhan. I think that was his first book. Um, uh, especially for like newer agents. I think that's a great, I, he's got a newer one called uh, Big Money en Energy. I haven't read that yet, but sell it like Searhan. Um, he talked about like his background, um, which is, you know, pretty fascinating. He was, uh, he had moved to New York to be an actor, uh, hmm. was in some soap operas. Uh, I think it was like The Young and Restless or something like that. And, but, you know, failed as an actor. Uh, and then, um, got into uh, real estate and was like literally in New York uh, and he's from Colorado like his parents own a ranch in Colorado he's in New York with like cowboy boots on a shirt and one of those like pearl snap shirts awesome. like <laughs> clearly doesn't like fit into New York and it's just it just goes to show you that like it doesn't matter like where you're from like right. like he was able to succeed you know in New York uh, uh, with that and then um Oh, geez, what else? Um, I mean, those are, there's a, I just started diving into um, uh, extreme accountability, mm. um, which is, I think it's Jocko Wilink. Wilink. Pronouncing that right? Yep. Wilink, who is a uh, former uh, a Marine mm. and uh, um, Navy SEAL. Just talks, and I, Navy SEAL, thank you. He just yeah. and he's talking about. I just dove into it about uh, you know uh, the beginning part of the book, which I'm not really giving anything away. Was basically there, you know, he was in this uh, uh, um, division and uh, chaos ensues, and then they they realized that it was friendly fire, and luckily no one was injured in, in this in this incident. And apparently it happens quite a bit. I think it's called like uh, cold blue or not cold, but something blue, um, and. Uh, you know, his CEO, his commanding officer, and all generals come in, and he, he knows he's like, this is how basically you get dishonorably discharged. He's like, this is how you get let go because you're you weren't prepared. Yep. Uh, and he's he's putting down all the details, trying to figure it out, interviewing everyone, and uh, all he can come back to is like, I was in charge, so yep. this is my fault. This is my fault. You know, and uh, you know his commanding officers respected that. He's, you know, obviously it's a, a important lesson to learn, especially when it's literally life and death. But it, it applies to everything in life, especially in the business world. If if for some reason your assistant isn't succeeding or your uh, inspector isn't succeeding, you know it. You have to take accountability for that. Like you know, yep. maybe the training needs to change. Maybe maybe it just wasn't the right hire. Maybe you hired too quickly, or to to you know you rushed it in order to fill something and end up you know costing you more. Um, when you take full accountability for your life, for your actions, it really changes a lot of things. Oh, it's a good book. You'll like yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Um, on the gram, um, I'm at, <laughs> at, at Dan Weisinger, and that's W-E-I-S-I-N-G-E-R, and it's Dan Weisinger on Facebook, Dan Weisinger on Instagram, and I believe it's Dan Weisinger on TikTok, but I don't have, <laughs> I think I have two posts on TikTok, so 
more future content to come. Um, but uh, that's where you can find me. This has been awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed learning a lot more about you and your strategies and your business. Um, thanks for taking yeah. the time today. Thanks a lot for having me on, John. Thank you for listening to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and be sure to follow Dwell Inspect Arizona on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. To contact Dwell Inspect Arizona, call us at 480-867-4599. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, email our team at office at dwellinspectaz.com.